We'd just love to have you. Uh, Sierra Bible gets the opportunity this year to host it in our community. And so if you are in that category, we'd love to have you back here tonight at 5.30, all right? If you are a lady, then tomorrow night we have women's or ladies' night. It's at 6 o'clock. That's next door in our other building. Um, and we have this monthly every first Monday of the month, and that happens to be tomorrow. So ladies, we'd love to have you also there, 6 p.m. tomorrow evening. Later this week, if you have not been here, you know, already too many times, there is another event Thursday evening, and that's our worship room prayer night. So this is not something we do all the time. We actually have a smaller gathering usually, but we want to have a larger gathering. And so that's going to be in here. Again, you don't need to let us know you're coming. We would just want, want you to have you here. There's no child care for that, but of course your kids are welcome to worship and pray with us. And that's this coming Thursday, 6 p.m. And then a week from today, another evening activity you can attend. Brad Beers, Pastor Brad Beers, is having an informal gathering about quiet time. That is what he told me to say exactly. We don't need to know if you're coming. We would just love you to have you here. He's in charge of that. He's uh, holding that next Sunday night, 6.30 p.m. Again, there is no child care, but we'd love to have your kids here also. All right, and then a couple weeks from then, there's slides for all these things, but we just really want to welcome you, so we're just going to leave that one up, um, is that we have um, an opportunity for those interested in learning about how to create a will and trust um, for your family. So Alpha Omega is a Christian organization. They're going to be here Thursday, June 22nd, free, um, free uh, seminar, and talk to you about that. So if you're very responsible, you've already done this, and then the rest of you probably should get your ducks in a row. All right? So this is a free seminar. Um, and then afterwards, Alpha Omega um, offers their services for a very, very low cost. Um, so if this is something you're interested, we want want you to know about it. And then this is open to whoever wants to attend. So if you know someone that is interested, please invite them. All right. So that's June 22nd. That's taken up over half your month. And now Pastor Caleb's going to come up and tell you something else. Good morning. Um, a little over a year ago, we made a change at youth group to have high school and junior high at the building at the same time, running two services kind of parallel, sitting in the same teaching. It hasn't worked. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so, <laughs> we're going to go back to how youth group was, kind of. We're going to have a youth group for high school and junior high on Wednesday nights. Junior high will be from 5.30 to 7.30. They'll have came, uh, game time, worship, teaching, and small groups. And then high school will be from 7.30 to 9.00. A um, couple reasons for this. There's a lot, but a couple reasons is um, just even as a preacher, empathizing with the room, I have the same notes, and they're two entirely different messages to those age groups. And so putting them both in the same room, they're both getting a uh, disservice there. And to be honest, it's, it's hard to preach to that age group. And then also, uh, the way youth group has been, I'm kind of split between the high schoolers are over in this building, junior hires are here, and I don't have a good read on what's happening throughout the whole night because I'm not just present with them the whole time through their service. So hopefully, prayerfully, that moving back to this and giving the high schoolers their own space will um, grow the group. The high school group has dwindled. And so please be in prayer for that. I'm open to uh, different changes that the Lord has. And then um, this starts July. So it's not this upcoming week. 
But starting in July, that's when this change will uh, happen. And then with that, we have a video for VBS. Hey, Truckee friends and family. I have an exciting announcement for you. We here at Sierra Bible Church are gearing up for our vacation Bible school. This year, VBS will be happening on July 10th through the 13th, and our theme is Keepers of the Kingdom. We'll be talking about dragons, knights, princesses, and putting on the armor of God, and learning how to stand strong in today's battle for truth. VBS is for kids ages preschool through sixth grade, and it's a free event for anyone who comes in the community. We have registration open online and through our app. If you just head on over to sbctruckee.com, you can find that there. And if you wanna get involved, we also have a ton of volunteer opportunities for that. So just go ahead on over to our app or our website and sign up today. Good job, Marley. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Hey, good to see you. Welcome back to Truckee, where you belong. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, uh, welcome uh, to Sierra Bible Church. If I haven't met you, uh, my name is Jesse. I'm part of the pastoral team here. Uh, in fact, I, for the most part, I get to preach on Sundays, which is a great privilege. Uh, we are in a series in the book of Ephesians. And so, if you have your Bible, turn there, or your digital device, whatever it is that you use. If you want to use one of our Bibles, raise your hand, keep it up, and one of our ushers will gladly hand you a Bible. If you don't own a Bible and you are needing one and you don't want to buy one because you're not sure you want to buy in to this thing called the Bible or Jesus, take this as a gift from us uh, as you explore what it is to be a follower of Jesus. Um, and then I see John is handing out Bibles. He has to do a couple things. Uh, he's handing out Bibles, but I also need him on stage. So <clears throat> come on up, John. This is John Moniz. And John Moniz and his wife have been attending Sarah Bible Church for quite a while, several years. And uh, one of the things we do when we think of leaders and leadership in our church is we, we look for people who are already doing the leadership kind of things. And John and his wife have faithfully been doing that for a long time, serving behind the scenes, loving the church, and, and loving the Lord through service. And several months ago, he uh, took an invitation to intern with our deacon group. Uh, and so if you're not aware of our leadership structure, uh, which we pull from the book of Acts, as well as uh, Timothy and Titus, we are an elder-led church with what we call a first among equals. We just recognize there is a lead pastor, such as myself, but that that lead pastor needs accountability from elders uh, that help uh, shepherd and grow the church, lead the church, love the church. That's one part of the church leadership. The other part of the church leadership is meeting the tangible, not just the physical, or not just the spiritual, but the tangible needs of the church, things that we would call needs of benevolence. So these would be areas of uh, folks in the community that need help with finances. Maybe they, they got behind on rent. Maybe uh, a widow in the church needed to purchase a vehicle, and her husband in the past was the guy who went and purchased the vehicle and defended her from, uh, you know, not getting a good deal. Well, when that's happened, we send in guys like him to get a good deal. <clears throat> so the... <laughs> These are, this, this is what a deacon does. And so he's been interning. Now's the time where we'd like to bring him officially on to the team. And we do this by putting him before you and letting you know that. And 
this is, it's a step of accountability. If there's something in his life that you know of John, he's been here for a long time, that you don't see that is in line with the gospel, we would ask you to speak with him one-on-one. And if you're able to, to figure that out and come to a solid, peaceful, grace-filled, gospel-centered solution, praise God, uh, then we move forward. And if not, you come to the elders. The elders would take another step to ensure that he's ready. Uh, and, and that's kind of how it works. So we're going to wait a couple weeks, give you an opportunity to meet with him. Like I said, he, he knows how to deal with salespeople, so be careful. <laughs> but um, no, seriously, he'll, he'll take it with a humble uh, listening ear. We want to encourage you to speak with him if necessary, and we'll move forward. All right? All right. Thanks, John. Give him a hand. Ephesians chapter 1, you have heard me say, uh, in my opinion, is one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture. I know that can be said of so many different pieces of Scripture. Uh, It can be said of John 3.16, right? Everyone likes to hold John 3.16 at the football stadium or at the NBA playoffs or whatever it may be. But for those of us who have come to really comprehend what it means to be a Christian or what scripture would say of the Christian, the, the, the number one title for a Christian isn't Christian at all, really. It's in Christ. For those of us who have come to understand what it means to be hidden in Christ, our union with Christ, for those of us who understand the gospel, for those of us who have matured to some degree or walked with the Lord for any period of time, you know that chapter one of Ephesians describes the miraculous way in which God saves sinners. Paul writes to this church, what is now in uh, modern day Turkey, uh, to several churches really that are being persecuted. These are Christians that have heard the gospel, right? Remember, this is a church that was planted by Paul. Paul then kind of passes some of the leadership on to a a power couple named Priscilla and Aquila. And then later, Paul will commission young pastor Timothy to lead this Ephesian church and to pastor it. And Paul wants to come back to this place to visit the Ephesian church, but he is unable to. Do you remember why? He's in prison. He's under arrest. Why is he under arrest? Because he has made proper, he has made proclamations of the gospel. He has made proclamations of this Jesus that one does not have to follow Caesar or the political leaders of the world. In fact, the claim that Paul has made and continues to make in scripture is there is no one we should follow other than this person that is Jesus. Because of this, the powers of the day, the rulers of the day, find themselves in opposition of Jesus because Jesus is taking away their power. And how dare he? He even is taking away their financial influence in the area and the region that they exist. And as Paul writes this letter, he, he goes on for some 14 verses in chapter 1, which we've already covered. One long sentence. 14 verses 
In the English, you see a period at the end of a sentence, but in the original language, Paul is ranting on the reality that God has authored our salvation before the foundation of the world. He has made it possible through the redemption of the blood of Jesus Christ, and he has sealed the Christian for deliverance into heaven for eternity with the Holy Spirit. God the Father in action, Jesus in his purposes, and the Spirit in his perfection are all involved in ensuring that you and I would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come to this place now after he has ranted for some 14 verses where he now begins to pray You can't help but see that as he is in this place under arrest, he is speaking to this church that is persecuted and beaten up, and he's telling them, God is real. He has saved you. Jesus has redeemed you from your slavery into that sin, and now he has to pray. He has to sing out to the Lord. And this is where we come this morning, verse 15. And as is our custom, I invite you, if you're able, to stand with me as we honor the spoken word from our Savior. For this reason, because of everything that he's written previously, God's work, Jesus' redemption, the Spirit's sealing, I have heard, because of this reason, because I have heard of your faith and your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of our hearts, your hearts, enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and above, uh, I'm sorry, and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. Lord, we trust you for your word that it will have an effectual work in our hearts, that you would do what you need to do this morning and that we would let go of all pretense, all distraction, and we would focus on you alone. We trust you for it in Jesus' name. The church said, amen. Amen. Be seated, thank you. I'm gonna start with asking you just a Again, just a simple question. Have you ever felt anxiety in your heart? Anyone? 2020, bring any anxiety for anybody? I have a few moments when I can specifically think of anxiety kind of flooding into my very being. There really is nothing that can create anxiety in me or has created anxiety in me than the feeling of losing one of my kids. Have you ever been there, Michaela? No? Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. See, I do that sometimes and be like, no, no one's ever lost their kids. Just the pastor. (laughs) Our youngest, David, we took him to the zoo. He was about four years old. And um, we went to the zoo and he had this thing that he really loved to do, which was to hide from mom and dad. 
And so here we are at the zoo, and all of a sudden we look up after eating, because we have three other kids, right? I have four kids. So keeping track of four kids, it's easy for one of them, if they desire to, to run off and, and hide from you. And so here we are at the zoo, we're eating. I look up and we cannot find David. We are looking everywhere for our four-year-old little blonde boy. And we cannot find him anywhere, right? It's no different than if you've ever felt like you've lost your child near a body of water, where's the first place you look? The water, right? So here I am looking over into the gorilla bin (laughs) to see if David is in the hands of King Kong, And he's not. And then all of a sudden, I kind of hear a little bit of giggling and some rustling. And I turn around and David's peeking and laughing at us as he's looking through the bushes. You know, it's a joke to him. But I was frantically searching, frantically looking. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Hold on to that story for a moment because it's going to tie into what uh, I want to say through the scripture this morning. The first place I want to start is you just kind of take that story and put it behind you just for a moment is that when Paul prays and he thinks about the work of salvation, the first thing that he prays is a prayer of gratitude. I covered some of this a couple weeks ago, but in verses 15 through 16, you, you can't help but see that, that as Paul is in prison and he is here, he has heard of this church. Right, you gotta think of this world that Paul is living in. And the world that Paul is living in is really dynamic. Things are, are moving really, really fast. Right? I mean, think of it, you have the Roman Empire, which is, which is really moving forward really rapidly. It is building cities, right? The Roman Empire is, is starting to create philosophy and education. You got guys like Plato and all of those different kind of things that are happening within the Roman world. And then at the same time, living in the Roman world, basically as captives, are the Hebrew people. A group of people that have had a particular faith in Yahweh for hundreds and hundreds of years, the, the Hebrews are just entrenched into their religion of Yahweh. They are, they are celebrating all of the feasts that their Old Testament, our Old Testament, what would be their sacred text, the Feast of Booths, the, the Passover. In, in fact, if you remember right, during the Passover, thousands of people, thousands of people would travel to Rome, not to visit Rome for Rome's sake, not to see Caesar, but to come that they would sacrifice a lamb for the forgiveness of their sins. I mean, thousands. It, it, it's, it's just like here in Tahoe. I think it said 30,000 people every single weekend flood into the Tahoe Basin to ski. And we all see them and we, we love them. And and we, we, we pray for them when we're stuck in traffic on East River Street. Thank you, Rupert's. Um, it'll be nice when it's done. And uh, for those of you who made the connection, for those of you who didn't, you're, you can talk to me about the, the rabbit trail later. And uh, what was I saying with all that? So stupid. I got stuck on the Rupert's and now I'm just stuck right there. We love the Rupert's. Let me get back on track. So here you have this place. And while they're in this dynamic, Paul's in prison and and just think of what he's thinking of. Uh, You're talking about a man who is probably at this time one of the most educated human beings on the planet. He knew all all of what made Rome tick all of what made the government tick. He was a Roman citizen. He was also 
a citizen of the Jews. He was a Hebrew, and he was a scholar. And in this dynamic, as Rome is increasing in its political sphere, and as it's also increasing in its world influence, this new message that is not new, but has always been in Scripture, it's been in the Old Testament, the message of the gospel, grace, that God would save his people by grace. And all of a sudden, as the world is pressing forward on this side, the church is catching fire in every single city, and Ephesians is one of them, Ephesus. And as he's thinking of the great magnitude of the work of the gospel, the time has come of the last several hundred years where where God has come in human flesh to save mankind. And, And he has heard of this. And Paul has seen Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he's planted churches. Now he's in prison. And he's seeing Rome grow. And he's seeing the church grow. And and, and he's thanking God for his salvation. But the thing he's thanking God for the most in this dynamic and this cultural shift and move, that the church is faithful in their faith and their love for all the saints. Let that be our first point, which is an old point from last week, that we would be people of prayer, but in our prayers, we would be people of gratitude. Lord, thank you for the graces, for the grace that I see in God's people in the church. It's easy, it's easy to start being critical of people in the church, critical of where you should be, critical of how we think you should be living and growing. But do we as a church just practice that God is gracious in us? Like, God, thank you that you saved that person? Never thought they'd be saved. (laughs) Lord, thank you that that so-and-so's going to that Bible study. I remember when so-and-so told me they would never go to a Bible study. Lord, thank you for that person who said, I'll never serve in youth ministry. And now they're serving in youth ministry. Thank you, Lord, for that person who said they'd never get married. And now they're married. Thank you for the person who said, I'll never have kids. Now they have four. The Lord giveth. Paul is giving thanks to God for this faith that they have, a pure belief in the gospel and a pure belief in Jesus. And he's thankful that the saints have a love for everybody. Do you have that marker? You love the person who's different? The person who's not like you? That's, that's a mark of a true church. That the church absolutely loves diversity. Not because the culture says that's the thing to do. Right? Not because the culture says you have to love diversity, but because the church is the one, just so we're all aware, the church is the one, the number one entity. The gospel, the word of God is the number one entity that said there is no such thing as race. Race itself is a social construct. There's humanity. And in humanity, humans sin and create a chasm between them and God. Jesus closes the chasm, and it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor or you're black or you're white or whatever country you're from. We're all on the same playing field together. All of us have sin. All of us are in need of grace. All of us need the Lord. And so how, how dare any of us ever go, I can't believe so-and-so's in the building. He's thankful. 
But really what I want to focus on this morning is his second part of the prayer in verses 17 through 20. Do you notice? Let's just read them again together to ensure that they come down into our heart, into our soul. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, which just so you catch that little Father of glory, God is the Father of all that is good. That's what that means. That he may give you, do you here's his prayer. Again, remember the context. Paul's in prison. The church is being persecuted, literally dragged off into, into stadiums to be eaten by animals for sport and entertainment. Christians being burned at the stake. This is what is occurring, and this is what Paul prays. What he prays should be heavy to you. The magnitude should not be lost on you with what I've just said and what he prays. What does he pray? Look at verse 18. He prays, I'm sorry, verse uh, end of 17, that the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him would be made known. And that verse 18, the eyes of your hearts would be, be enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance. What's not here is just as important as what isn't here. Notice what Paul doesn't pray in the light of all the circumstances. Lord, give us a new Caesar. Lord, get me out of prison. I mean, if I'm Paul and I'm in jail and I'm writing to a church that I planted, I might write a letter that looks like this. Dear Christian Brotherhood, you know the love of which I've had for you. You know how much I've worked for you. And you know that I sit in prison. Please pray for my exodus. And would you do anything possible to get me out? Free me. Redeem me that I may propagate the gospel in the rest of the known world. Paul's not concerned with his release. Paul's not concerned and he's not even focusing on the political leaders who have the influence to change the world. That's not his prayer because that is not the major need of the church and it's not the major need of the Christian. Our need is never, listen to me clearly because this is 100% true. Our immediate need is never a change in circumstances, but a change in knowledge and revelation to what we already have in Jesus Christ. You see, so many of us get worried about asking God for more or the release of something else. I mean, I've been doing ministry long enough to know the desperate pleas for marriage, the desperate pleas for someone to be able to have a baby from their own womb, the desperate pleas for peace and understanding between other family members. All of those things are worth praying for, and God hears them. Hear me clearly. There is nothing too small or too mundane to pray to the Lord, but it is not the major focus of the Christian. The major focus of the Christian is divine illumination. This is his prayer. Do you see it? He uses language like the spirit of wisdom, of revelation, and that the eyes of your heart would be illuminated to what you have. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, these truths are yours. And the biggest weakness of the church is walking around in ignorance to what they possess in Christ. 
That's what we pray. You say, what do I, what do I pray, Lord? Like, I, again, one of the things I hear all the time, I can't understand the Bible. I try. You know, I sit down and I read. Do you know it is impossible to understand Scripture and it is impossible to understand salvation and receive it without the illumination of the Holy Spirit. One commentator actually writes it like this. God's mind, you know, what he thinks, what he feels, who he is, is revealed in Scripture. But we need Holy Spirit glasses. When was the last time you read Scripture and you prayed for this kind of revelation? When was the last time you opened up the Bible or you opened up your, there's two really great apps I've, I've come into the habit of listening to as I fall asleep. There's two really good ones. You can write these down because they're good and you're going to want to know them. People ask me about them afterwards, so they're, you're going to want to know. This is for free. I'm not even going to charge you for it. Uh, there's an app called the Streetlights app. And it's uh, music and, and the word spoken out loud. Another one Caleb really likes. I like it a lot too. It's called the Dwell app. What I love about the Dwell app, just so you're aware, is I pop that sucker on every night. I pick a narrator, usually a woman, because they read better than men in the evenings, to me, it seems. And and in a translation that I want, and I put it, I can put an ocean sounds in the background. Right? Doesn't this sound wonderful? And I fall asleep listening to the Word of God. And when was the last time? Before you open up the Dwell app or the Streetlights app or you read scripture, your Blue Letter Bible, you know, website or wherever you go and commentary. And before you opened it, you said, Lord, I'm helpless with understanding what is in these words. And I'm helpless with understanding who you are if you don't give me divine illumination and open up the eyes of my heart. I like how Spurgeon says it. <laughs> in part because of who I am and in part because I just absolutely love the Prince of Preachers that is known as Spurgeon. He says this, apart from the spirit, it's easier to teach a tiger vegetarianism than an unregenerate person in the gospel. Right? We want to see people come to know who Jesus is. I mean, the whole reason for me, my motive to stand here and to, to read scripture and to preach it Really, I only have a few motives. Number one, I want to give God glory. That is to say that I want to elevate his name. I want to make him famous. I want him to weigh heavy upon your hearts. I want you to leave here and say, what a great Jesus we have. Not a great preacher, not a great church, not a great building. What a great Jesus we have. What a great savior we have. That's number one. Number two, that people who are not saved would come and hear the gospel of salvation and come to saving faith in the only one who can save them, Jesus Christ. I want to evangelize. And number three, those of you who are saved, I am hoping and praying that this Sunday morning your faith would be strengthened. To live in a world that's growing dark and a world that wants to persecute you, that your faith would be strong. That's it. That's, that's the only goals I have. You know who makes all those possible? I don't get to, I am powerless. I am utterly powerless without the help of the Spirit, without the divine illumination of the Lord, without God coming from whatever's coming out of my mouth and my own frail mind, and then it goes out into the room, and then it gets into your ears and your frail mind, all of your distractions, 
and somewhere in there, God will speak. You know what drives me bananas? Every Sunday, someone will come to me and be like, I loved it when you said this. And I'll be like, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I won't tell them that. I was like, man, this is the Lord. The Lord speaking to you, ministering to you. We need to be praying like Paul that our eyes would be open. Do you remember um, there was a story by, uh, in Acts chapter 16 of a gal by the name of Lydia. And Lydia was from the city of Thyatira, we're told. And this particular gal, her, she, she sold purple goods and she was a worshiper of God. And we're told that she was a worshiper of God literally because it said the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul said. The Lord opened her heart. Now I need to make a clarification. Because it'd be easy to preach this in such a way that you walk out and you go, okay, my heart needs to be illuminated. My, I, I need to pray for that. And you may walk away here because in our context, when we use the word heart, we have a tendency to associate anything with the heart with our feelings and with our emotion. But this is what's so important in understanding the ancient traditions of the day because in their day they didn't necessarily have the science that we have the heart in their day was seen as the seat of knowledge not emotion you see you, you'll see places uh, in scripture where they were talking about the guts that's where they felt like emotions were which makes sense right because when you really feel a deep 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 emotion where do you feel it in your guts Right? And so Paul, when he's saying that the eyes of your hearts would be opened, he's saying, he's not saying that you would feel this, though feeling is good and great. No, 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 no. That you would know this. That nothing in this world could steal it from you. No one, as you see the theme behind me for this whole book, nobody can replace your identity with the identity that Jesus has given you. Can, can I... Can I just take a moment to just speak to you about the reality of what Jesus really thinks about you? Your husband does not have the power to identify you. Your wives don't have the power to identify you. Definitely don't let your kids identify you. Don't let culture tell you who you are. There's only one authority, and that authority is Jesus. And Jesus has said of you that you are a saint you are a royal priesthood. You are washed clean. You are white as snow. This is the inheritance. And then notice what else he prays as he moves on. He says, I want your hearts to be open that you would know this inheritance. And then he's asking that we would become aware of at least three deposits that, he is, that, that, that God has placed in us. Three things that he has, has like money in a bank. It's there. I don't know how many of you know this, but you know the government has an actual website where you can put in your name and your address to find any lost money you have. Have you guys, are you guys aware of this? I looked it up, good news. I've got 25 cents from an old car loan that's due me, which, which will help pay for some gas. Like that money that you may not know is even there. These are the three things. Look at verse 18, hope. Right? We, we are a group of people that, that we go through life with hope 
No matter how hard it gets, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter what cancer may come or, or, or disease or, or pain or suicide, God is good in all of it. He's good in all of it. And we don't mourn as those who don't have hope. We have hope. That's number one. Number two, he says that you would know the riches of his inheritance. You have an inheritance in Christ. The things that are Jesus's are also yours. The power to overcome sin, the power to love the stranger, the enemy, which is the next third point in verse 19. Notice he's, he prays for this great power. You have power, church. It pains me to say this. Last week, I spent several days in uh, Spokane, Washington at a pastor's conference with roughly 2,000 other pastors and leaders. We're part of a network of churches that basically uh, is a network that's committed to kind of two things, missions and church planning, propagation of the gospel. There's absolutely things I love about what we're a part of, and there's things that drive me bananas. This is probably just part of being a part of leadership, but we were there for this conference, and in the conference, uh, they're going through all kinds of conversation within you know, what we believe and all that, which is all fine and dandy. But one of the things they showed on screen was the trajectory of the last 20 years of the churches within our network, thousands of churches. You want to hear some really bad things? <laughs> That's why you came to church, right? To hear bad things. Number one, within that network, pr- prior to the last time we met together, the, the average church out of thousands of churches reported out of thousands of churches that each church, this is the statistic, each church only had two salvations a year. One church, two salvations. Across, that's the norm. On that chart, over the last 20 years, it showed us church attendance, church giving, evangelism, baptisms. The last 20 years, if you look at the chart, it's going up through the movement. And then the last 20 years, here's the line. It's just going down. And it wouldn't be so sad if it was just our network. That's sad enough. But the reality is, is that is the statistical norm for every denomination in our country. That is the norm. It's... There may be exceptions. I'm not aware of any of them, but that's the norm. Do you know what that tells me? Churches have forgot the power of the gospel. The church is not to compromise and be like the world and be filled with its own entertainment and its own little fun. It's to be countercultural a counter way of life, a counter message of hope and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And the church has power to take this message without force and without manipulation, but to just share it as simply as I can. Do you want to be saved? You can have a relationship with God who created the heavens and the earth with faith and faith alone. If you believe upon this God, he will forgive you of your sins. Embrace him. Walk with him. Are you going to make him 100% your Lord overnight, even though he is Lord? You know Jesus is king, don't you? He rules over all. He holds everything in his hands. Every government is in his hands. Every government leader is in his hands. Every nation is in his hands. He controls everything. Amen? 
But you and I don't have the power to totally submit to him every day, do we? That's why we need the gospel. So even in coming to faith, it's not that you have to come and be perfect in your faith. You come and you say, I want to wrestle against this, the the anti-message of the gospel, anti-love, anti-grace, anti-compassion. That's what the world is sitting on. And we have an opportunity to recognize this morning that as Paul prays for this particular church, and as I believe that Jesus is even praying this church for us today, that he's praying that not only would your eyes be open to the great inheritance you have, but that you finally would have your eyes open to the power that you have in the gospel to share the gospel in such a way that people will receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The church should be gaining ground not losing it and we lose it when we start to think too much about the opinions of people and we stop thinking about what does God think as for me and my house let me serve the Lord and you know what sets our good works apart from the good works of those in the world only one thing we do it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ the only name that has the power to save. And as the worship team comes up, we have an opportunity this morning to partake in communion, to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made, to make this relationship with him possible, that we would also know that power. And if you were to ask me on the way out and you say, okay, Jess, I I just need one takeaway point from the sermon. Could you give me one? It would be to pray that your eyes would be enlightened and that you would know the power you have in the gospel. You know what my hope is? My hope is in the next couple years, every single one of you have an opportunity to lead someone to Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? Do I need to say it again? Because I know there's people in the room that have never led someone to the Lord. Can I challenge you? You've got two years to figure this thing out. I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm taking a step of faith. I think it could happen in the next two weeks, but, but I know how some of you are. Some of you are a little slower than others. And it's okay. The Lord's okay with that. But would you take that on as a personal encouragement and challenge that you would be given the opportunity to open the eyes of someone's heart to the reality that Jesus would save them? and that you would have the blessed opportunity to guide them from point A to point B. Do you need to figure it all out? No, do they need to figure it out? Because here's what happens every time. A a buddy of mine in Spokane was telling me about this. This is what happens. Someone gets saved, and you know what the church, the one that's declining, you know what they say? Well, you gotta disciple them. We like the word discipleship. It used to be on the wall. We painted over it, but. (laughs) You gotta disciple them. Could you imagine if I went to the hospital and and someone just had a brand new baby, that brand new baby is born and I walked in and I took that baby in my arms and I looked at mom and dad and said, you're saving for college, aren't you? (laughs) No, no, no. When a baby's born, what do we do? We rejoice. And the Holy Spirit will handle those. we'll, We'll get to the other stuff. The Lord matures his people as he sees fit. The church doesn't get to decide how people mature. We just get to be a part of leading people to the Lord and helping them see who he is. And so can I lay that before you? Let's reach more people through the power of the gospel. Not You don't have the power, but he does. 
Uh, leaders I have uh, that are in the room, elders, deacons, would you guys come up, hand out the, um, the bread first? Thank you, Russ. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Zach, would you be willing to, to come on over here on, the, um, on my left side, your right? Amy, would you take left too? And just take a few moments to take time to pray. I think, I think it's, even if Brad sings, I don't know what, what we're gonna do here in just a moment, but uh, while the elements are being handed out, go ahead, you guys can start. Um, hold on to the elements until everyone receives them, but, but just take, take this time that you have, just a few moments, right? I mean, you, you've got another six days of the week where you're gonna be most likely surrounded by heathens and non-Christians, Yeah. So it's not too far of a stretch for me to say, just take a few moments before you enter into your week and to express your gratitude to Jesus, to ask for divine illumination that you would know the things of Christ and the word and to pray that God would send you to the right person at the right time to lead them to salvation. And I do, I, I don't say that lightly. I, I believe there are all kinds of beautiful divine appointments that God has for us to share the gospel. But most of us are not looking or we're too fearful. Do you see anything that we need to fear in these verses? Fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord. Take a few moments to pray. We'll hand out the elements and then we'll partake together. Mm-hmm.